You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is, uh, summer's winding down. I mean, it's still summer, what, a little bit longer? A little bit longer. It's it's the season where a, a lot of us have been out <laughs> and enjoying the, the great outdoors mm-hmm. and just just really taking advantage of it. I know I've been out a little bit on the, the trails this summer. I know you've been on your I've mountain bike. I've been mountain biking quite a bit, yeah. And, Finally, once the <laughs> rain stopped. <laughs> enjoying the great outdoors. But uh, many of you perhaps have heard of this story of uh, individuals developing an allergy, particularly to meat, after having an encounter with a tick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did well, that happen to you? It Andy? did happen to me <laughs> last year. And uh, while I think my story is somewhat interesting, uh, I wanted to hear the story from another person's perspective and, uh, and, and share that story with you because other people are far more interesting than me. <laughs> Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. You can find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. Joining us by phone today is Jennifer Burton. She's founder of Alpha Gal Encouragers of Northwest Arkansas. Jennifer, thank Thanks for joining us on the coffee hour. Thank you for inviting me. And so gracious to share your story with us today and to bring along your doctor, Dr. Tina Merritt of Allergy and Asthma Clinic of Northwest Arkansas. Dr. Merritt, thanks for being our guest. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, Dr. Merritt, what is alpha gal syndrome? Well, it started in 2004 with a cancer drug that people were having life threatening allergic reactions on the first dose. And it took a little while to figure it out, but um, it turned out it was this carbohydrate on the cancer drug that comes from mammals called alpha-gal. And Dr. Platts Mills in Virginia, where I trained, was bitten by a bunch of baby seed ticks, and he developed this allergy to alpha-gal. He already had a slight allergy before when we were doing the test for this cancer drug, and he had never had the cancer drug. And so it turned out it's because he was allergic to this mammal sugar, glycoprotein, and he figured out it was the tick bites, and from there, um, it's kind of ballooned, but it turned out that they had described this in Australia about 30 years before, and there was an allergist there that noted people that had tick bites were developing this beef and pork allergy, and then the unusual thing about it is that people develop delayed reactions, so they may not always put it together that it was the burger they ate at 6 that caused the hives at 2 in the morning. And it can actually develop into full-blown, life-threatening allergic reactions. Uh, Jennifer, are you an outdoorsy type? Do you spend a lot of time outside? Had you been in areas where there were ticks? I live uh, near Beaver Lake. Kind of Our property kind of overlooks it. We have two and a third acres, and of that, about one and a half acres of it is fenced off for our, um, our chickens and my gardens and fruit trees and berry vines. So yes, I was um, outdoors quite a bit in my gardens. And yes, I got tick bit year after year. Tell us about uh, learning um, that that initial, uh, the stages uh, of symptoms and and then learning that that you also have alpha-gal. Well, mine were sort of um, not knowing what it was. Mm -hmm. I was going through deteriorating health. I was battling the escalating allergic reactions that we get from uh, alpha-gal, which in my case was extreme fatigue and joint pain and inflammation. Um, I was having rashes, GI distress. Uh, In the middle of the night, I would wake up vomiting with diarrhea and have um, just horrendous hives. 
my last anaphylaxis episode was on February 28th of 2017, and that one was nearly fatal. Um, but it was over about an eight to month nine uh, eight to nine month period that it got just increasingly worse. Yeah. How did you How did you um, make that step of of finally figuring out um, that it was that it was a, a tick bite and that it was alpha gal? Um, I didn't make that connection. Um, the The morning after my near fatal anaphylaxis, my husband insisted that I contact our primary care doctor and said, "You know, I'm not going to watch you die. She's mm-hmm. got to figure out what this is." Mm-hmm. Um, that bout took me about three days to recover from, and she went ahead and ordered a food blood panel. And when the results came back, it didn't make any sense. It came back that I was highly allergic to beef and dairy, and she had no idea why. So she just simply sent me a a list of allergists. Mm -hmm. Um, The really strange thing is uh, about a week or before, uh, a week or so before my allergist appointment, my supervisor shared a podcast with me and he knew that I had been out several times with hives and been really ill over the past several months. And um, it was a podcast he'd heard about AlphaGal, and when I heard it, I thought, are you kidding me? I'm really allergic to beef, and it really is being caused by a tick bite that's insane. It did not make any sense to me. Um, and then I met my new allergist, Dr. Merritt, and after reviewing my new patient's packet, she said, so, do you want to talk about AlphaGal? <laughs> And I said, do you think that's what it is? And she said, I know that's what it is. I've had it for over 30 years. I just remember screaming inside, thank you, Lord, what a blessing, somebody (laughs) who knows exactly what I'm going through. Um, It was was definitely uh, a godsend. Mm -hmm. Dr. Merritt, is Jennifer's story fairly common with the alpha-gal allergy experience? Yes, and a lot of times people don't get diagnosed right away. Um, We have a state representative here in Arkansas who had six emergency room visits before they figured out what it was. And one of her reactions was to a Pop-Tart because there's gelatin in a Pop-Tart. I mean, it's things that you just wouldn't think of. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, we've mentioned beef and pork, and, and that seems pretty easy to narrow down and, and for many people to eliminate from their diet. But um, it's not as simple as just cutting out, you know, here in St. Louis, cutting out all the pork steaks out of your diet um, or all the hamburgers. Um, but give us some examples of things, uh, Dr. Merritt, that um, uh, of food items and, and other items that uh, we need to be mindful of if one develops this alpha-gal syndrome. So with the food items, it's anything mammal, so beef, pork, lamb. It's also things that you wouldn't think about, like gravies. If it's a dark gravy, it usually has the drippings from either beef or pork. Um, Lard, like in refried beans in a restaurant, can be from a mammal. Natural flavorings could be mammal. Um, There's a lot of things that are kind of hidden for the people that have this allergy. The other thing is some of us are sensitive to gelatin, which is usually mammal-derived, So gummy vitamins, um, things you wouldn't think about, like marshmallows have gelatin. Altoid mints have gelatin. Kellogg's Frosted Mini Wheats have gelatin. So um, you have to check, like, pretty much every food product and also supplements. And then medications can also have different products, the binders and pills. There's something called magnesium stearate. It's usually from a mammal unless it specifies it's from a plant source. Um, There's some medicines that have pre-gelatinized starch. 
So I was reacting to one of my medicines for six months before I asked my pharmacist, and it turned out there was pre-gelatinized starch in the pill. So it's not just the capsules. Mm. And then a lot of medicines do come in capsules. So we also have to switch medicine sometimes to like a liquid because they may not have mammal products. But then we have to check the liquid for glycerin to see if it's a mammal product. So the pharmacists have to get involved. And, and so a lot of them aren't very familiar with alpha-gal and have to get educated about it as well. And then sometimes products, so like makeup, we have to use vegan makeup, um, soaps. A lot of times the bar soap is from a mammal product, so we have to use the liquid soap if it comes from a, a plant source for the glycerin. And um, people are reacting to things that you wouldn't think of, like their pet's dog food, because it's from a meat product usually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is a long, <laughs> long list. I have I have a different um, health issue that, that causes me to have to look at different labels in, in different ways. Um, so I, I have a tiny bit of understanding uh, of what all three of you um, go through. But Deodorant. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it can literally be nearly anything, anything yeah. that... that yeah, that you have to research, and I can I can feel like the the overwhelming um, panic and anxiety that that can set in um, when you realize what what you're up against. Um, Jennifer, what what was uh, the most um, challenging thing for you um, after your initial diagnosis? What what was that that like for you right after that moment? Um, well, like you said, the the diagnosis is devastating. I mean, it's its implications are overwhelming, at least, mm-hmm. uh, to say the least. I mean, I'm one of the ones who about 50% of us are dairy sensitive as well, mm-hmm. um, and I'm one of those. So it wasn't just, you know, meats and all of the things that she, you know, told me about, the bath and body and hand soaps and even personal care things. But for me, um, I think the most challenging thing was grief, Mm -hmm. the entire grieving process. I mean, despite being trained in the care and outreach ministry, um, I didn't really realize that's what I was going through. Um, I know grief may sound strange, but I mean, that's a big part of your life that's suddenly being said, you can't have this anymore. You have to to give it up. It's going away. Um, so about the first 10 days, I primarily sat in my jammies and um, went through the support site. She had told me to go out and look at the Facebook support sites uh, for AlphaGal and go through the products. And I was ordering safe ones. I mean, I, ha- I sat there looking at the lamb roast that I had ready for Easter, and we just bought 50 pounds of grass-fed beef. And mm-hmm. I thought, what do we do now? Mm-hmm. So grieving was really kind of it's it's a big loss. I mean, I come from a large family and food is a social thing. Hey, let's meet up for dinner or lunch. And you've got church potlucks and you've got family reunions and barbecuing. And yeah, we put our son through culinary school. I, I don't cook the way, I still don't cook the way most people do with prepared foods. So it, it's really hard to wrap your brain around. Mm-hmm. Who helped you through those challenges? Uh, I know you have a, a great allergist. Um, who else helped yeah. you through those through those challenges? And and we have just about a minute um, before we have to to wrap up this segment. I know we have more story to share, but just about a minute to share with us who helped you through those challenges. Well, that would be my husband. Um, he's always been there for me, and and he's just a loving, caring husband and stepfather and servant and. Um, he just kind of watched me go through the grieving period, and one day it dawned on me, and I said, I've been going through this process, and 
he kind of got a grin, and I said, you've known this all along. And why didn't you say something? And he said, because I knew you had to go through it on your own. I just needed to be here for you until you figured it out. So a lot there's many of us who end up in divorces or families break up and things happen because of this allergy. And I'm one of the fortunate ones who has that support from him. Dr. Merritt, with just a a little bit of time left, um, those who are some advice, some recommendations for us, for those who are outdoors folks, you know, who like to be outdoors or, or live in rural communities where, you know, we live in, uh, uh, maybe a, a wooded subdivision, things like that. Advice for us on how to avoid this and then what to do if we suspect we may have had an encounter with a tick. So there are um, several websites about how to reduce your exposures to ticks, um, usually insect repellents. There are some that are safe and that you know, may not contain the chemicals that some people don't want to use on their skin. And um, you want to try and prevent the tick bites. But then once something gets on you, you have to be careful about how you remove it as well. You don't want to just, you know, yank the tick off because it might leave part of the mouth parts in there. Um, You don't want to squeeze it because then that would release anything that's in their saliva, you know, into your skin. And so um, there's special ways to, you know, release the tick. And there's actually little devices that will pull the tick straight out. Um, Sometimes people use oils and things that may make the tick kind of smother and back out. And then there's products that you can spray on the tick that's supposed to kill them. Um, There's some that were meant for pets, but you can actually use them on humans. (laughs) There's one that's called Toto, T-O-T-O, like the dog on Wizard of Oz. (laughs) And um, that's actually um, manufactured with a company called Tick Warriors out of North Carolina. But there's a, a spray that you can put on the tick that's supposed to kill them. And if you suspect that you may have, uh, you, maybe you've had an encounter with a tick and, you know, or you're starting to, to demonstrate some symptoms. So this allergy, I, this is my assumption just based on my experience, is um, going to show usually two months after the tick bite. And it's usually going to show as a delayed reaction. So six, six hours usually after the bite, or I'm sorry, after you eat, um, you may get some itching skin, stomach problems, and then like I mentioned, sometimes full-blown anaphylaxis. Um, it usually shows up quicker if you've had a second bite. So it usually is within two weeks. So I had this allergy in the fourth grade after tick bites at Girl Scout camp with little baby seed ticks. By fifth grade, I was doubled over in pain on hamburger day. And I didn't get diagnosed till I was 18 with a class four beef and pork allergy. So I avoided it for many years. And then I was negative. So I went ahead and chewed one piece of steak and went unconscious. But I was living out by Beaver Lake, where Jennifer lives. And mm-hmm. I had been bitten by a tick about two weeks before. Wow. So you've experienced it twice. Goodness. <laughs> Well, now a third time. So I was bitten oh. two years ago, oh, and my allergy went from negative to 13 for the amount of antibody to alpha-gal. Wow. And then I'm currently negative on blood tests, but I don't chance it because of mm-hmm. my history. Mm-hmm. Our guest today, Dr. Tina Merritt, the Allergy and Asthma Clinic of Northwest Arkansas. Dr. Merritt, thank you so much for joining us for the Coffee Hour today. Well, thank you. And Jennifer, stick around. We, we have more of your story to share uh, where this has gone from there, how you've taken this particular uh, syndrome that it seemed to turn your life upside down and, and uh, took that as an opportunity to reach out and serve others. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth.
You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living, breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We're talking about the tick-borne allergy to mammal products, mm-hmm. known as the 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 uh, meat allergy. But it really is it's it's so much more than that. It's mm-hmm. it's a allergy that results from a tick bite, and it's an allergy to basically anything from animals that produce milk. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is uh, something experience, I've experienced, but also uh, Jennifer Burton. She's the founder of Alpha Gal Encouragers of Northwest Arkansas, our guest today. And Jennifer just shared her story of, of uh, being uh, diagnosed, you know, having the symptoms and then being diagnosed and the the grief that, that mm-hmm. she experienced um, going through that, you know, learning that diagnosis and, and what all changes that that means for your life, your lifestyle and, and the support that she had from her spouse, from her, her physician as well. Um, and uh, so where did it go from there? You, you, Jennifer, you shared that you had this great support from your husband and, uh, and the, the great knowledge from your allergist as well and support from your allergist who also has experienced alpha-gal syndrome. Um, but where did it go from there as you started to learn more about the allergy and others who had this allergy, this alpha-gal syndrome as well? Uh, well, as I had mentioned earlier, I um, was going through the Facebook support groups she had told me about to, to look up, and I was going through all of the things that I needed to learn, um, and I just kept kind of getting this little nudge, and um, I I was taught many, many years ago by a pastor that when we get those little nudges, that those are something that... I'm supposed to do, you know, you get a nudge that you're supposed to call someone or pray about something or smile at a person as you walk past them. Um, Because those little nudges are his Holy Spirit, and we're supposed to act on those nudges because that's what we're supposed to do. Um, This wasn't any different, and every day as I would try to to pray about how am I going to get through this, help me get through this, it just kept getting laid on my heart that I needed to start a local group. Um, one that met face to face. Like I said, this is a very devastating um, diagnosis, and and for so many people, they they don't want to go outside anymore. It's it's you are they are grieving, and they're going through severe depression, this hopelessness, this loss of of a big part of their their being. And they don't want to go outside and be in the garden anymore, afraid to get bitten again. They can't trust somebody in a restaurant to make their food. So they become recluses. I know I I fought that. And so I kept getting these little nudges to, you know, start up this face-to-face mission and let them know you're not alone. We're stronger together. Just because we have alpha-gal syndrome, it doesn't define who we are, which is, by the way, one our our encourager slogan 
but I felt so bad. I I just kept kind of saying no. I'm I'm not ready. I don't know enough about Afagal. I don't know enough about um, what I need to do. Um, but it just kept being laid on my heart. And I know better than to say no um, when when God kind of wants something done. And I eventually said, okay, um, if I'm going to do this, you're going to need to open the doors for me and where this is going to go. And I've just been constantly reminded um, he's faithful and he reminds me of the my training and uh, being convicted in this way. And um, he's been opening the doors ever since. What is the purpose behind this organization? Um, you mentioned all of this grief um, and, and it's the significance of uh, the lifestyle change that has to happen um, when you're faced with, uh, with a diagnosis like this. What, what is the purpose of this organization for um, everyone who, who gathers together? Well, our main goal is to, uh, to promote compassion, to be encouraging, to promote uh, new health and understanding with alpha-gal syndrome. It's an effort to hopefully save and improve the lives of those who've been diagnosed with alpha-gal syndrome. Um, and hopefully by doing so, uh, increasing public awareness and family awareness, trying to get that family and, and spousal support. Um, that we all so desperately need. What happens um, when, the, when the group typically gathers? And this is a, a monthly gathering, is that right? Yes, we meet monthly. Um, we call it a meet, greet, and eat event, mm-hmm. uh, basically because it's a potluck-style uh, social event where we feel safe with you know, by bringing safe foods that we found or snacks. Sometimes Dr. Merritt attends because, after all, she's one of us, too. Um, she likes to bring desserts and uh, safe desserts. And um, we, each one is very similar, but the meeting takes on a different direction depending on whether or not we have a guest speaker or a presentation. For example, one time, uh, since we can't have beef, we eat, uh, a lot of us eat emu or ostrich is our new beef and duck is our new pork. And so one time I did a presentation on how to cook duck breast. So those things will be, you know, special things we'll um, talk about or, or have presentations on. And sometimes uh, the meeting just kind of evolves on its own because we have someone who walks in um, who's just been diagnosed and is is totally overwhelmed and say for the last four to six weeks hasn't eaten anything but chicken and vegetables because she's afraid to eat anything else or um, is still just scratching from the hives and nervousness because of histamines that's, you know, at the time. And then it just becomes a caring um, time when, when those of us who been doing this a little longer just start the compassion and the encouragement and it gets better what is the what is the the significance of this group for the people who attend um, the, those connections that you form and and uh, knowing that other people um, are, are going through this with you what does that mean for the people that attend I think I think it brings us together um, very much like a family because we we don't feel isolated anymore. We have these face-to-face connections. We have these new connections. Um, 
it, strangely, oddly enough, I happen to have three or four people that attend the meetings that are from my, my work. Hmm. Um, they, too, have been diagnosed with it. And, uh, you know, we talk about some of the, the safe things. And most of us go to Dr. Merritt as well. Um, and she's very supportive of us. But it's it's knowing where we lack support in some of our family relationships, um, that we have someone else we can rely on, someone else we can reach out to. Why was your congregation willing to host and to uh, to be a host site for your group, Alpha Gal Encouragers of Northwest Arkansas? Um, well, Living Savior is a really small congregation, and so basically we're a family too. Um, it, when one of us hurts, we all hurt. When we need prayer, we all pray. Um, I think they saw this as a way for me to heal and a mission of outreach for others who are hurting and going through it. Our pastor knew someone who has alpha-gal syndrome. It's not uncommon around here. Um, it's just a way to show Christ's love and God's mercy through through people who are serving him. Um, we, we continue to share. Sometimes we have members show up at our meetings just to... to kind of see a little bit more of the other side. Um, and we continue to share the challenges and rough stories of the people who show up and um, the congregation prays for them. And then we share the successes and and we give up prayers of thanks for those. We had a, a young 13-year-old come in. Um, her family brought her in and she was just so afraid to sit and eat anything because every time she ate something, you know, she would just have the hives and itch. And, you know, one by one, we would take her and it's okay. And we'd let her read the labels and go through it. And mom and dad took pictures. And within two or three months, we saw, we, we see people blossom from being terrified and scared, um, blossoming back into life again. And that's just a blessing. How does the group, uh, we have just about a a minute left, how does the group stay connected beyond those monthly meetings? Um, Primarily through our Facebook support group, Alpha Gal Encouragers Northwest Arkansas. Um, Although we do have a website now, alphagalencouragers.org, that we're working on and will hopefully soon get much more information and resources available on the website as well. Uh, especially for those who don't have Facebook. But Facebook is primarily our biggest contact. If someone's having a uh, reaction, they can reach out on Facebook. And our group has just gone past 800 people in less than two years. And uh, as as that close-knit family, we start, did you check this? Did you check that? Be sure and take your unison. Be sure and do this. And be sure. it, it, it's, it's definitely support. Our guest today, Jennifer Burton, founder of Alpha Gal Encouragers Northwest Arkansas. Thank you for being on the coffee hour today and sharing your story with us. Thank you for inviting me. You're listening to the coffee hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It's time to go make some Alpha Gal safe food. Yeah. Some something vegan or maybe uh, some emu. Some emu. Yeah. We should have emu burgers we in, the, should. in the studio hey, I next can eat time. <laughs> <laughs>
The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.